0: You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. All right. Thank you. You can be seated, please. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. I was reading this story all over again, the crucifixion of Christ, and I was noticing some things that's made clear, that's taught unscriptural in a lot of places. And I'm going to clear up some things in it from the Word of God, if I can, please. But uh, let's just read the story of Matthew chapter 27. I want to begin to read in verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered to him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, uh, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come into a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down there, they washed him, and set upon his head, his accusation: This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. There then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. And saying, Thou that destroyed the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also were, which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Pray with me, please. Father, as we look at this terrible scene, and we try to comprehend it in our own minds, and Lord, we can't. God Himself coming down to die in human flesh. The sufferings that He went through, more than any man that ever lived, He suffered for the sins of all mankind. And Lord, if we... Our grateful hearts can't find the words to say thank you. But the best we know how, we thank you and give you praise for doing so. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Going through this, if there's one thing I believe in this life, it's the Bible being inspired. It's the inspired Word of God. I also believe that every word in the Bible is very important. I also believe that every incident given in the Bible is for our learning. And there are several lessons we can learn from this incident around the cross of Calvary. Now what I want you to see today is not only Jesus hanging on the cross, but I want you to see the scene around the cross. Notice everything that's going on around him. Uh, a lot of times the Bible doesn't give us everything that's happening. You have to sometimes read between the lines, but they're there. And so I want to share them with you if I can. Now look at Matthew chapter 29, i chapter 27 for just a second. Look at one word of verse 29 for just a second. And when they had platted a crown of thorn, they put it upon his head and read in his hand. And they bowed a knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews. Now notice, first of all, we can learn from the crown of thorns. I have a miniature, for instance, uh, crown of thorns that a lady brought back from Israel to me. And I was looking at it and examining it in my office one day by myself, just looking at it and admiring it. And I found something. Now, I noticed one thing about this crown thorn. Uh, it caused much pain when pressed down into the skull like they did to Jesus. I found another thing, and that is these thorns in the Bible, thorns are a symbol of the curse of sin, according to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Now, any time... You see a thorn, then it ought to remind you it's God reminding us of sin brings a curse. In Galatians chapter three verse thirteen, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written cursed everyone that hangeth on a tree. So the death of Jesus on the cross was payment for our sins, and everyone who trusts him as their Savior. From their sin is saved by His grace. The crown of thorns teaches that sin brings a curse, but the death of Christ upon the cross saves every believer from the curse of sin and from death. Notice another thing: <coughs> we can learn three hours of, of the three hours of darkness. Luke chapter twenty-three, verse forty-four says, "And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness." over all the earth unto the ninth hour. Now when you're reading this, if you're not careful, you'll think about that this darkness was just there around Jerusalem and around the cross. But notice the Bible says that this darkness was all over the world. Think about that. The world became in a dark form. Now I want to give you something about that. When I think of the cross of Calvary, I think of Jesus suffering the sinner's hell. Hell is a place of burning. It's a place of a lake of fire for all the unsaved. But hell is also a place of total darkness. Matthew chapter 22, verse 13. Bind him hand and foot, and take his, him away, and cast him to outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jude 6 says... Fallen angels are reserved in everlasting change under darkness under the judgment of that great day. So we find hell is a lonely place, number one, uh, but it's also a place of suffering, and hell is a place of of darkness, no light there. Now on the cross, Jesus was suffering the sinner's hell, and part of that hell is darkness. The third thing That we find from Matthew 27 about the crucifixion of Christ is the cry of Jesus from the cross. Jesus cried out seven things while hanging upon the cross. Three came from before the darkness, one during the darkness, three after the darkness. Now the cry that came from Jesus during the darkness, Matthew 27 verse 46. Now listen to this very carefully. Jesus, the Son of God, crying out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now I want you to watch, it's very important. Every time you find in the Bible Jesus speaking to God, He always addresses Him as Father, except this one time. This one time. He He addresses Him as my God, My God. Now, what is the purpose of that? Why did he, what's the difference? Jesus is crying, My God, my God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, for he has made him, that is Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that is, Jesus knew no sin, that we might be made the rights of God in Him. Now the cry of Jesus, my God, my God, why hast thou uh, forsaken me, is a cry of an abandoned soul without a Savior. Now on the cross of uh, Jesus, He was taking the place of the sinner. The sinner does not know God as Father. Jesus was suffering the agony of separation from the Father, so that whosoever believes on Jesus as their personal Savior won't have to suffer the separation of death. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Turn over to Revelation uh, chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, and I want you to look at verse 15 and verse uh, verse 14 and verse 15. Verse 14 and verse 15. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, if you take that, either Jesus suffers this for you, or you have to suffer it yourself. That is, the separation from God the Father. The fourth thing we can learn from this scene, we can learn from the thief that would not repent. Now remember, there's two thieves here. One on the right hand, one on the left. Matthew 27 verse 44 says, The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. But Luke 23 verse 40 and 41 records the fact that one thief repented and said to the other, Doest not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing amiss. Now what's important here, you will not find in the Scriptures where this one thief repented of his sins. Why? Because every time a person rejects Jesus as their Savior, his heart becomes harder. It gets harder harder, if you will please. If a person isn't saved, now I want you to listen to these statistics. I got these some years ago, and listen to them very carefully. If a person isn't saved by the age of 21, the chances are 5,000 to 1 that he will ever get saved. If a person isn't saved by the age of 30, the chances are 15,000 to 1 that he'll ever get saved. If a person isn't saved by the age of 40, the chance of he get saved is 30,000 to 1. If he isn't saved by the time he's 50, it's 150,000 to 1 he'll ever get saved. Now what's that all about? The truth is, when a person says no to Christ, it's easier to say no the second time. The unrepenting thief shows the hardness of the human heart can get by rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to Mary. You reject the Lord Jesus Christ, and you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says your heart will get harder. You say, I'll get saved someday when I get ready. You better watch out. You'll get a hard heart. Amen? Now we can learn from this scene also about the repenting thief. Now the repenting thief cried in Luke chapter 23 and verse 44, Lord... Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And then in Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now the lesson here is this. Even the most wicked person can be saved if he will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy. You know, I'm so glad I'm saved today. And I think about this uh, many a time. Uh, the, the way I cussed God before I got saved and the things I did before I got saved and yet Jesus had mercy upon me and he saved my soul and he changed my life. and on what I'm trying to say to you today, I don't care what you've done in this life. you can be saved if you want to be. Jesus loves you. Notice four other things about this thief. He wasn't saved because he was good. He had no goodness talk to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody says, if anybody went to heaven, they, my mama did, my aunt did, or my brother did, they'll name somebody It was a good person. They deserve to go to heaven. No, they don't. Listen. Titus 3.5 Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Notice something else about this thing. He wasn't saved because it was a church member. This man couldn't get off the cross to join the church. He died there. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and verse 23, Mary will say to me, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This man wasn't saved because he was a church member. I was at a church one time and a family come forward in church and they sat down on the front pew. They signed them up to be members of the church. Not one time did anybody take a Bible and read them how to be saved, say anything about them being saved, and they thought they was getting saved just by joining a church. Now let me give you something, buddy. You don't get saved by joining a church. You get saved by accepting Christ as your Savior. I want you to listen very carefully. To look at this thief now, hanging on the cross, and God had mercy on him, but notice he wasn't saved because he was baptized. Jesus said, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. He went to heaven that very day. By the way, that tells us there is no purgatory. Absent the body presence with the Lord, the Bible says. You don't uh, buy yourself out of a place and then go to heaven. Here's a thief hanging on the cross. He couldn't come down and get baptized. And he, he couldn't... Uh, again, a person don't get baptized to get saved. You get saved. You get baptized because you are saved. Acts 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No baptism there. Notice lastly, he was saved because he trusted Jesus Christ to save Now the question is this, can you trust Christ to save your soul? Now this one thing I know, you can trust God in the flesh for all eternity. You can trust Him. The hardest thing for me to do, and I hesitate to say this for this simple reason, I don't like to say anything about churches. I don't like to say anything about preachers. But the hardest thing that I had to face as a young preacher is to realize that just because a man carries a Bible in his arm and calls himself a preacher does not mean he is one. It does not mean that he's right. And just because they're churches or a building and in front of a building does not mean they are scripturally... Right. That was the hardest thing for me as a young Christian to handle. I thought everybody that had the Bible in their hand, surely they're a Christian. I thought everybody that had church, uh, no matter what denomination or whatever church it is, that surely they're right because they got church over the door. No, they're not. You know how to tell the difference? Somebody came to me here a while back and they said, Preacher, how do you know what church is right? you got Baptist churches, you got Methodist churches, you got every kind of name of church. How do you know which one is right? Now let me give you something. Every Baptist church is not according to Scripture. Every Methodist church is not according to Scripture. But I do believe this. If you believe this book is the Word of God, and you believe the plan of salvation, that Jesus Christ came into this world and died for your sins, was buried and rose again, for your justification and if you take Him as your Savior I don't care what denomination you are if you're, you're saved by God's grace I believe that 100% but if somebody stands and contradicts this Bible and says something according to their denomination they're wrong and you can take these two thieves upon the cross and die beside the Lord Jesus Christ and you can understand the plan of salvation all the things that some of the denominations says you get saved by, these men couldn't have done it. And yet, by the grace of God, they got saved because Jesus said, Have some body present with the Lord. Amen? I know a lot of church. I, I said under a preacher, uh, if you didn't have your hair as a man cut just two inches above your ear, you can't be a Christian. What's hair got to do with salvation? Amen? I said under another preacher, if a woman don't wear her, 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 her dress down to, her, to cover her ankles, she can't be a Christian. What, what has a dress got to do with salvation? Not a thing. I got in the Bible one day and I found a scripture that says it's a shame on the man to have long hair. As the Bible says that. I can show it to you. So you long-haired hippies, you didn't cut. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not condemning nobody because of the verse right after that. You know what it says? But we have no contention to say. Weigh your hair down to the ground. What do I care? As long as you receive Christ as your Savior, your hair has no, nothing to do with your salvation. It has to do with you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ or you don't. Amen. That's the reason I opened the door uh, to the church. It's just like a a, a woman came in one Sunday and she sat back there on the back and after church she came up to me and she said, Now, Pastor, uh, God has led me here today to teach your ladies in the church uh, lesbianism. And I said, Is that right? Uh, You ain't going to teach it here. Amen? And I mean that. I said, you're not going to be around. And if I see you talking some hour later, I'm going to come in and interfere. You're not going to do it. Amen? But I said, you can come and sit down in a church. You're welcome. I believe that I present. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I don't care what you are. You can be a transgender. You can be upside down. You can do whatever you want to. You're welcome to come and sit under the preaching of the Word of God. You know why? It's the Word that reaches your heart. And I want you to sit on the preaching of the Word. And the more I preach the Bible, that's the reason I'm a Bible preacher. I know a lot of preachers that just read one verse and then preach an hour on just that one verse. I, I can't do that. I don't want to read it all. God, I want God to speak to me. And I want God to speak to you. And that's the reason I like to read and study these examples that God gives us. And if you go through the Bible, God's got your number down there. I like what one old preacher said years ago, I never will forget it. The devil knows what chain to pull for you. He knows how to get you what'll bother you. Whatever will bother you. I preached one Sunday in the family visiting church and, and asked the church, he said, I ain't coming back here. I said, Well, sir, did I say something wrong? well, you just make me miserable. And I said, for well, goodness sake, what did I say? And he said, you preach on hell to make it so real. You just make me miserable. I said, thank God for that. That's the Holy Spirit dealing with you. That's not me. I ain't but five foot nine and a half. And I only to weigh 146 pounds soaking wet. What can I do? Amen? But the Holy Spirit can get a hold of you. And you know how the Holy Spirit works? It's not with my eloquent speech. Amen. Because I know how I talk. I was talking to somebody here a while back, they were Yankees from I don't know, Ohio or one of place. And they came and they come up to me and said, You have an accent. I said, No, you do. I'm at home. Amen. I was playing golf one day with this man and his wife, and me and uh, Barry was playing golf along with him, and uh, I hit the ball quite a ways up there, and uh, the lady said to me, where did it go? I said, way up yonder. And she said, would you say that again? I said, what? She said, whatever you just, way up yonder. She said, that's so pretty. That's my southern accent i got news for you. I don't talk proper enough to get you saved. I can't say eloquent words enough to draw you. But I know one who can. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to make it as simple as I can. I want to make it as plain as I can. Just read the Word of God and say, Holy Spirit, You draw people. And anybody can be saved. Amen. Anybody. I love it. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we read of my Savior and Your Savior uh, dying upon the cross, and we see Him being spat upon, and His hair being removed from His face by soldiers, jerked out by the roots, and His hanging there naked before the whole world in shame, and all the things that went with Him as He died upon that cruel cross—a terrible, terrible scene. And yet, what a beautiful scene. When we look at the thief that was saved by your grace, and you looked upon him as he cried for mercy. He couldn't come down. He couldn't do any good works. He couldn't join a church. He couldn't read the Bible over and over. He couldn't pray enough prayers. All he could say was, have mercy upon me. Lord, that teaches us something. Anybody can say to God, "Have mercy upon my soul," and you promise to do so, because Jesus did it all. Bless us today. While we got our heads bowed and eyes closed, for just a minute, we have one to be baptized today. If you'll come right on, get ready. We'll have baptismal service, but at the same time, uh, while we got our heads bowed, want not ask a question. Is there somebody here today that's never made that personal decision for Christ? Now think about this just a minute. You never made your personal decision. No one else can make it for you. You got to do it yourself. Would you by Jesus by the grace of God? Would you bow your head and just simply say something like this? It hasn't got to be exact. It's got to be from the heart. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I ask you, dear God, to come my soul and save my soul, for I'll trust you as best I know how to be my Savior right now. In Jesus' name, if you prayed that prayer, have faith to believe God keeps His word. Just Roman ten and verse nine says that if thou shalt confess with thine mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thy heart that God raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt. Be saved. God keeps His word. Bless. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you and be seated if you would please. And we have a young lady who's going to get baptized, and she got saved. And we also have uh, Zuri uh, Bailey, and she got saved and she got baptized. I want to give her her certificate. Thank you, baby. All right. I'll be right out. It won't take me a bit of a minute, and I'll get ready.